Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 132 of the No Podcast. We are no outside food or drink. The Southeast and the Gulf Coast premiere video game audio and video podcast, uh, YouTube, uh, iTunes, no matter where you find us, we're coming at your ears, we're coming at your eyes, everything, we got you covered. And this week we're covering uh, Ubisoft had a Connect show. Uh, there was a garbage take on Nintendo's business model. Well done, Brant. Microsoft looking to stick it to the competition. We'll see what that entails. Nintendo celebrating another limited anniversary. That sucks. First look at Nathan Drake and Victor Sullivan from the set of Uncharted. Um, we will have our fresh, hot, no podcast takes on those two actors. Uh, Joy-Cons get a price cut. Destruction All-Stars gets delayed, but with a perk. Assassin's Creed is coming to Netflix. PlayStation Plus update for November has our first PS5 title. Nintendo partner Direct Mini brought some special surprises. One which, two which Cesar's already taken advantage of. And Halo loses another creative director. I'm Richard Bergman, joined tonight by Brant McKee. What's up? And Cesar Concepcion, the second CMC2 himself. Welcome, Cesar. Present. Cesar's here and checking his news on the phone. He has your latest and greatest news on his phone coming right over the airwaves and via his copper mule. What are those things called? I don't know. <laughs> my, drinks my, are served out of? My, go- my goblet of mead. <laughs> your goblet of fire? Yeah. Was it that purchased at the Renaissance Festival? Or oh, it was a uh, dream hack. Dream hack. You got it from there? Mm-hmm. That was it. That was the uh, the sodas that you could buy the can and then get dollar refills or whatever. Yeah. Remember conventions, guys? Remember we could you could go out and uh, just mingle amongst people and uh, step up to a demo unit that that eighteen other people had played before you and sweated all over and drooled all over and you could just uh demo the latest and greatest version of Smite on Nintendo Switch right after all these people. <laughs> uh what else did we play Cesar at that dream hack? Uh we watched a lot of PUBG. Um, watched a lot of PUBG. We watched watched a lot of competitive Halo. That was cool. We tried out Master Chief collection on PC. I guess we did reach. Nope. That was the Halo event. Oh, I'm mixing my events. But no, that, it was, that it was, was almost like a year ahead of time, right? That's yeah, crazy. That, we just did the multi. Was it just the multiplayer? Is what we did? I can't remember which game we played. I played campaign on Halo Reach when I was there. Because it was like uh, it was like take out a tower. It was the beginning of Reach, and I haven't played any of that on console since or PC. I haven't played it ever. Since we then. played something else at DreamHack. We stood in line for the PUBG thing. We got our pictures taken. <laughs> With those people to get entered into something. We stood in line for Smite. We got our t-shirts. We watched Halo. We watched PUBG. Was that where the Halo um, arcade thing was at? Or was that the actual Halo event? I don't know anymore. They all blur together. Yeah. Back when we could go to conventions and events. Uh, Brant, what's the last uh, convention style thing you went to where you were able to mingle amongst people? Have you been Gosh. to, like, AWA or anything? <laughs> no, the last convention style, the last convention period was, gosh, several years ago at my other job. Uh, Would have been six years ago. Damn. Yeah. I don't even know what you did before your current position. Saltwater fish. You did what now? <laughs> salt or fish <laughs> like you took the electrical connections 
you took the electrical connections of the fish and uh, <laughs> with a hot uh, iron you <laughs> you connected them together. Oh, I saw that fish. <laughs> Trying to break Darwin's rules. <laughs> no, no, I um, teach a man I, to solder fish. He's <laughs> no, I worked at a um a, a pet store, and we were exclusively uh, water fish and aquariums, water things fish. like okay. this. I, I see where the confusion came from. <laughs> I'm down with this. Uh, I like what you did to the fish. <laughs> I like my imagery a little bit. Yeah, I did. It's all Frankenstein fish together. This is horrible. <laughs> Sorry. I will create the I will create the supreme fish, <laughs> supreme fish delight. <laughs> I will combine their tails. I'm sure, the other employees were like, "Yeah, this is Brent. He does it all the time. Just just let him do what he wants. <laughs> he he makes sales. We don't give a fuck. Let him go. He may leave us one day and find a better job. <laughs> but he right now he's pulling numbers. <laughs> just just let him go. It's just weird, but. <laughs> They're coming in. They're buying these Frankenstein fish sandwiches. Just yeah, let him keep going. They're coming in and they're doing, he's selling all those pre-orders on fish. <laughs> freshly soldered fish. Get your freshly fresh, soldered fresh fish. fish. Oh, God. It's a pretty good bit. All right. You're ready to jump to news? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hard transition <laughs> as uh, Brant's still laughing. Uh, who wants to, to talk about the Ubisoft Connect and their combining of their two e ecosystems? E ecosystems. As I type away with our chat feed. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, awesome, somebody. Absolutely not. I'm just going to start typing in there like I did last time. Um, <laughs> and then it's going to be the same thing as always. This is actually uh, some pretty cool features tied up in this article. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a crack at. It. I didn't read this at all. I didn't even know this was happening. So Ubisoft Connect brings the entire Ubisoft ecosystem to one place on October 29th, and this is from Ubisoft. So tomorrow, as of the time of this recording, mm -hmm. I guess to as I said to coincide with the launch of Watch Dogs Legion. It said everything you you'll you've used you play in Ubisoft Club for the past will be refreshed, expanded, emerged into Ubisoft Connect, uh, designed for the next generation of gaming and beyond. It's uh, making it's their commitment to make cross-platform features standard in the future. That includes cross-platform progression on games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, Mortals Phoenix Rising, and Riders Republic, which is cool. Uh, oh, yeah. Next-gen next gaming goes beyond in technology improvements and better graphics. So it's more of a user experience is what they're trying to build on there, making it a lot more easier for gamers. Uh, they did say they're going to have uh, – Seamlessly into the Ubisoft games, you're going to get in, uh, social features, going to be integrated in game rewards, challenges, and activities all in one place, in addition to all the functionality of Uplay and Ubisoft Club. Um, they go into you're details. Still, of, you're still going to have to sign into a Ubisoft account. But let's say, Cesar, let's say you and I buy the new Far Cry on PS5 and Brant decides to get it on Series X. Uh, we'll still be able to do crossplay. All that stuff will translate. Um, we talk Brandon again to PS5. His save will carry over to Far Cry 6 on PS5. That's uh, This is super consumer-friendly by Ubisoft. It's more of the Microsoft view of, like, just play our games anywhere. We don't care. It's fine. So I, I really like this stance. Yeah, so, I mean, they just go into details about all the... I get, they give examples of how you can they integrate uh, Rainbow Six Siege and... You know how uh, you, they'll give you tips on how to recruit a beekeeper and what Watch Dogs uh, Legion, uh, the new Smart Intel. 
it's I guess it'll be similar to what PlayStation has, where you have those little uh, guides that they can put in there for cheat uh, for trophies. Right at a Ubisoft level. Yep. Uh, to celebrate the launch, they're going to give more than a thousand legacy Ubisoft Club rewards will be unlocked today for free for all players. The Ubisoft Connect experience will launch on Windows PC, Xbox One, PS4, Nintendo Switch, and be available on the Series X and S and PlayStation 5 on November 15th. Uh, the service will also come to Stadia, NVIDIA, GeForce Now, and Amazon Luna later this year. Starting to see Amazon Luna out there more and more and more, right? We see these press briefings and we see including Amazon Luna in there. Again, just to reiterate, I think there's a huge thing for Ubisoft. They have... They were one of the first ones to pivot to the games as a service thing as they, you know, saved Rainbow Six Siege from whatever abyss it was stuck into. So this is a, I think this is a huge move. No matter where you play, you'll be able to transfer all your stuff. It's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. Because, go ahead. Up until now, it's just been, you know, up to whoever. So for a big this is i would say this is one of the top like three or four third party publishers would you guys agree ubisoft yeah so for them to say hey this will this will transfer anywhere you go progress everything you're golden you don't have to worry about the platform that's uh that's super consumer friendly i'm down with this makes it easier when you have the like you said no matter where you play some people are going to play on their phones and consoles and web browsers and that's it I mean, you, if you can bring your save data over, that's what uh, get you get people in those games. You have so many games right now in this in this crossroads. You have Assassin's Creed, you have Watch Dogs, you have Far Cry. So you have these games that are in limbo as far as uh, next gen upgrades and things like that. And and you know, I don't want to start over my progress. I don't want to bring this character over. And it may not be it may not be as simple as PS4 to PS5 or Xbox One to Xbox Series X. It may be ps4 over to series x or it may be xbox one to ps5 so they've eased that for consumers that are hinging on these big triple a games that that were known to get from ubisoft uh you know those consumers i thought i had to duck down there uh those consumers are going to be okay they're good cesar's bouncing around i'm back to being a back to being a (laughs) there he is he's grande i'm just peeking through this window now (laughs) Hello, <laughs> Cesar. What's our what's our next story? I'm I'm just down here. I'm just down here hanging out. Cesar, what's our next story? Uh, sure. <laughs> the next story is the stupid uh, hot take of the week. It's the it's the very hot take. The garbage take from... on Nintendo's business model from it's uh, so yeah. dumb. It's everybody's so... uh Michael Patcher. That's the dude's name. Patcher, Pactor. What is he? Yeah, Michael Patcher. So, Mr. Michael Patcher, who's who's been in the uh, the industry, he he's an analyst um, as far as like Bush securities. Yeah, this is nothing new with this guy. He usually does shit like this. (laughs) It's it's amazing he hasn't done it for this long. Yeah, it's been so long since he had one. This guy is the Stephen A. Smith of, of the video game industry. It's just. Stupid hot takes, man. All right, let's just let's just remember the fact that we had a show back in the day where Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless were both on there at the same time. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then they decided to make two equally more awful shows as they separate. So, not only did we have one awful show, now we have two awful shows because of a contract dispute. 
Thank you, people. Uh, Let's give uh, Michael Pachter his own show full of uh, video game industry hot takes. In which, currently, according to Brant and Nintendo Life, uh, Nintendo isn't that smart, Pachter says. Nintendo should scrap Switch and only have Switch Lite. It should just yeah. be a portable. <laughs> <laughs> he he his full quote is uh, you know I don't really understand the uh, whole hybrid concept. I don't think people play it in both modes. I would say maybe 20% of Switch owners play both modes and I think most Switch owners play handheld only. So honestly, I don't understand the whole point of the hybrid. Who cares? Play it in handheld. And then he said, "Yeah, I don't think Nintendo is that smart. You um you should you'll never know what they do next uh but i think the smart thing would be uh to get rid of the switch console and have uh have it only switch light get rid of the dock and the station uh get rid of playing on the tv uh unless you know if you want to offer something like a fire stick type dongle uh for people that want to play on the tv so this is the worst <laughs> this is the worst of hot takes all right so First let's off, be, okay, let's, go ahead, Cesar, unpack it for be, us. Unpack yeah, it for us. Let's be honest with it. This guy, I mean, you know, I don't want to insult anybody, but he's looking at everything from a financial standpoint. It makes sense financially. I, I give him that. If you look at it financially, it makes sense, but consumer-wise, it does not. So, I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You want to give people value for what they buy and give them multiple options. Yep. He's just looking at it as the bottom dollar line. Like, Nintendo would make this much more money if it just went this bare bones method, you know? I don't right. think people will bitch about it, but you know that's not what's going to happen. So, and it's not like Nintendo's not making money hand over fist right now with this console. Nonstop, like they can't keep them on, in stock on any retailer. So I am known on this podcast for joking that the dock is just a charger, right? <laughs> <laughs> I joke that you can't play it on TV. This kind of stuff. Since the pandemic started, since lockdown and quarantine and all that kind of stuff, so the past, what, six-plus months, the Switch has been a home console for me. It has been that thing sitting on the dock going to the TV like a traditional console. So that's what its strength is, is, is that hybrid. And Nintendo themselves, did a they did a um, survey in, like, I don't have it right off the rip, but I saw it retweeted after this article. But it was like 2018, I think, and they showed the percentage of people who use it docked versus portable and things like that. And it was just it was a wide open thing that like people are using that hybrid console for its purpose. They're using it for all different types. So this extremely hot take of it just being a portable is unbelievable to start with. Like, where does this even come from? But here we are talking about it. We're giving a Michael Pachter some news. Pachter. <laughs> Pachter. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just all financial. I mean, that guy's never been in a consumer-friendly type of person, so. No. This is what he's always been. He's always going to be like, what makes the most dollar um, bottom line, so. Yeah. Or, I can't remember what his other last controversial hot take was, but it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I'm sure it was something else. They would make this much more money if they stuck with this feature. Stephen A. Smith, man. Uh, speaking of Fire Sticks for streaming, Xbox Chief hints at TV streaming sticks for xCloud. This comes from The Verge and Tom Warren. Uh, an interview with Phil Spencer. He mentioned, uh, he said specifically, quote, I think you're going to see lower price hardware as part of our ecosystem when you think about streaming sticks and other things that somebody might want to just go plug into their TV and go play xCloud, said Spencer. You can imagine us having 
even having something that we just included in the Game Pass subscription that gave you the, an ability to stream xCloud games to your television and buying the controller. So again, that is the that is the easiest barrier of entry for um, xCloud. I think it's a great idea. You buy the controller. The controller is like, what, 50 on sale, 60 MSRP. And mm. let's say you have a Fire Stick, you have a Roku, you have an Apple TV. Apple TV might be a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> All things recently considered. But uh, most most people have these streaming things sitting out there. Um, I could see a deal with, with Roku or, or Samsung or somebody to integrate this into their smart TV apps where you just have xCloud sitting there. And let's say your TV purchase gives you six months free of xCloud and you have to buy a controller and then you're in that ecosystem and then those games. So it's, a, it's kind of the Trojan horse effect, I think, for Xbox. What do you guys think? offering any solution to get their their games out there it's just smart business um because if they i guess we'll see how the how the um series s does but i mean having an even even cheaper option bundling it with um maybe a month or, or two or three of game pass uh and with a controller I mean, what what would you think that would go for? Maybe do that do that at ninety nine, eighty nine, and then boom, you get them in that ecosystem. And then if they like it, if they like it enough, they're probably going to spend. The, right. The, the, you know, whoever, um, whether it be an adult or you know, if if you have a child, they're going to get into that ecosystem and they're going to want more. So if they want more, the next the the next step is going to be straight to a console so it's it's going to be a cheap way to get people's uh foot in the door get them introduced to what you've got going on as a company what you can offer and hopefully get them to buy more of your product do you think they even care about the transition to a console at this point or let's say you buy a samsung tv you buy a controller you buy that service your major first-party games are all going to be on there. So you have Sea of Thieves, you have Master Chief Collection, you have Forza. Those have their own DLC and add-ons and seasons and everything else that you can buy into. But then let's say a game leaves Game Pass off of your Samsung Smart TV. You don't have a disc that you can buy and just pop into there. You automatically get, what is it, 10% with Game Pass? You get 10% off whatever that title is. It's like, man, it's 0%. What is that, Cesar? 20. 20%. Okay. So up to 20% hooked. off. Yeah. yeah, you're already hooked. You're ready to go. Like, okay, I, I love this title. Now it's leaving the service that is just streaming to my TV without any dedicated thing. This is what I'm hooked on. Right there, they're they're ready to go. They're ready to pay for that that title with the 20% off, and it's just using their Roku or Fire Stick or whatever it is. Yeah. It's like a, go ahead, Cesar. It's like you said, Richard. I mean, we both work in IT, and uh, Microsoft would care less about me buying another PC and Windows. I can use Teams on my phone. I'll yep. pay for the subscription. I yep. can do my whole job from my phone if I wanted to, because my whole job is based on Teams now. So. Yep, and you can put so, you can put Outlook on your you can put it on your tablet. You can put it on your um, computer. What six licenses a piece? Wherever you need to put it, you're good. They yep. don't need to sell you each individual license of Outlook. You're sold. Up to five, I think, for us. So. Six for us. We have the advantage. <laughs> um, was there anything else out of that interview? 
I think that was the that was the big points. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, expect to see. I would just say, <laughs> expect to see X Cloud everywhere. I think the Xbox of this generation is not. It's funny that that's the title, but I don't think it is an Xbox. It is a platform that just says Xbox on it. That is your PC, your phone, your Samsung, your refrigerator. Where <laughs> you saw the video of somebody your running. internet browser. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if I would say it's a platform. I'm just saying it's a service. Service. That's it. Wow. How do we go? That's just think about that. Just think about what we think of as as Xbox. This is no longer a platform. This is a service. You can get an Xbox wherever. Except iOS, but we talked about that last week. It's coming. Uh, Brent, tell us about that Fire Emblem on Switch. Um, I've got uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Why do I need more Fire Emblem? Uh, the one I'm playing is already in English. What's the big deal behind this one? Because, sir, this is the first localized release of the original Fire Emblem. What do you mean? I only learned about Fire Emblem through um, Super Mario or Super Mario Super Smash Brothers Melee. That's my introduction <laughs> to Fire Emblem. You mean there was there was something before that? Oh yeah. You mean that, tell. You mean that remake that came on the DS and uh, satisfy you? Uh, <laughs> ding ding ding! We wrapped it up. What's the next story? <laughs> <laughs> No, this that is very if you would, this is, uh, if it, this is good stuff. It, yeah, if you want to buy that DS version, it's got a pretty uh, pretty big resale rate on it. So uh, it's hope pretty you're good. not looking to get into that one. Is I'm it looking, one of those I'm, I'm looking DS on the shelf, it's there. Games? Go ahead, Cesar. I said I'm looking on the shelf. It's already there. I'm not going to worry about it. Isn't it a DS <laughs> subtitle thing like Dual Strike or uh... Dark Shadows? I can't remember what it was. Dark yeah. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Dark Sword, Dragon Sword. Maybe that was the Ninja Gaiden one. It's uh, there were so many games that used the DS moniker and and added uh, DS subtitle to it. So this is um, originally a Famicom game. Uh, it's Fire Emblem, uh, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light. Uh, it's thirty years old, and it's going to see its first uh, English. North, the North American uh, localized release. That's older uh, than you, Brant. Yeah, uh, my three-year-old self was pining away for this game, and Cesar's how old self? Actually, no, I'll, I'm I'm 30 years this year. So here we go. This is the year of Brant. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was seven when this game came out. Okay, there we go. We were pining away, Brant. You were uh, still in diapers, pooping yourself, <laughs> hoping for Shadow Dragon and Blade of Light. <laughs> But uh, it is going to be released December 4th on Nintendo Switch, um, digital at $5.99. It is getting a limited edition release. It's not even a physical release. It's still getting <laughs> just a digital code, uh, but with lots of goodies. It's It's got, there's like this poster and it's got like Nintendo Power on it. It's There's this cool, uh, it looks like it's possibly acrylic uh, mock-up of the NES cartridge with the little sleeve. Which looks um, fucking awesome. <laughs> everything in that collection looks amazing. And the yes. collection is priced at $49.99. I didn't see this collection go up anywhere. But apparently the places where it did go up, it sold out immediately. And you can find them on eBay being sold at three times the price. Oh, dear right God. now. Well, it's not on it, Best Buy and somewhere else. It only came up in GameStop first and then Best Buy. So it hasn't gone on uh, Amazon yet. So 
So the important part of this is we're getting a localized English version of the very first Fire Emblem game, and it is going to be $6 digital. But the flip side of that, outside of the $40 physical slash digital one that uh, Brand is discussing that comes with a NES box and replica NES game pack and a protective sleeve and art book and a game download code, is that this is also for a limited time. It will only be available in the eShop through March 31st, 2021, which uh, the Polygon Polygons <laughs> points out as the end date for Super Mario 3D All-Stars. And they will shut down Super Mario Bros. 35 on the same day. So that's the end of Nintendo's fiscal year. Um, why? Why do this? Why bring this game out and make this limited? Okay, I get the physical product, whatever. That's been a market for years and years and years at this point. Even though it comes with the digital code, we can argue about that for 12 hours if we wanted to. Why make this this historical preservation of game history only available for what four months after release that's an even shorter yeah. time frame than super mario and i would argue maybe not super Mario's huge i would argue yeah. that this is a uh, i mean you could technically seek out they may be expensive you can still get a hard copy of mario 64 mario galaxy and mario sunshine you could still put your hands on that you cannot get an official translation of the original nes fire emblem anywhere and this is it why make this limited? What's what's the point behind that besides sales? And the vault strategy that we talked about last yeah. week with the uh, the limited. It's crazy, man. And you can pre-purchase it now. It comes out two months from now. And you can pre-purchase yeah. this $6 digital game. And this is only the second actual title that they're talking about doing this with. And I'm already really tired of it. Just... Just this model that they're going with, they I really hope they they are doing this because it's an anniversary and they're trying to keep the well, anniversary what, special. But t- to me, it's it doesn't really make that much sense. We've even brought up on this podcast. I mean, okay, take this one anniversary of Mario Brothers, right? You can sell this game pack for the next ten years, no issue, and it's going to be on MPD at least switch MPD for the next 10 years, that Mario 3D All-Stars, right? Like, why pull that from shelves? You're going to sell the shit out of that. That's not going to be an issue. I was in uh, uh, two different stores this past Monday, and Super Mario All-Stars is on the shelf. They're there. Okay, it's October 28th. What do you think about November 28th or December 14th? You think those will be there? That's my birthday, by the way. December 14th? Yep. That was random. How did that happen? I know. All right. Uh, uh, listeners, but no, I think... Send Bran a copy of Super Mario 3D All-Stars for his birthday. That's what he just asked for. We heard it. Yeah. Live no, here I, on air. I think toward December you're, or late November, you're you're going to see a lot of those... Uh, all the sorts of titles are not going to be on the shelf because it's going to be holidays. They're not okay, going to so, be there. So on your point, if this is a special anniversary edition, like how does this bode for... What do we have coming up? Mario? Not Mario. We have Metroid, Zelda. Those are all like on the horizon. What kind of limited bullshit, crazy hoop, you know, cutoff preservation type deal are we going to mess with on this next go around with whatever that is? I hate that. I'm not a fan. We always we, we, we talk a lot about preservation and how how important preservation is to to get these games off of 
platforms that they've been locked on for for years and years right and then to get them put on on a new platform and and you know we champion it even though so many other people uh, stuck their nose up at and still do at the super mario uh 3d all-stars um but honestly it's it's great to have those systems or have those games on this new system it's great on the current piece of hardware that people are buying right now you can't go get a 64 gamecube we we you you can't go get those at retail right now you can get a switch at retail and you can buy this cartridge for those three games what's what's not great is this limited gate of access it's like yay it's finally on this new system and then all of a sudden, in a few months, it's not going to be on this new system. That's all it if, is. Uh, if gatekeeping. You, if, yeah, if you can find a physical copy, great. But you know as soon as it's not available anywhere else, it's going to skyrocket. It, it'll probably be as much or, or probably more, since it'll be extremely limited, than just buying each individual game on their original consoles. Right. It's aggravating. I'm very excited we're getting this game. I'm down for six bucks for Fire Emblem. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo is dropping the price of a replacement single Joy-Con controllers. Many people have been asking for this. I think it got added to Japan and Asia here recently. They are now... My link is messing up via The Verge. They're now $39.99 a piece. Is that right? Yes. Even though it won't come up. So you can... Instead of having to buy two at a time, which sucked butt... And I, uh, ever since my first set that came with the system, I only got them at GameStop during certain deals. But uh, does this behoove either one of you guys? That's how you feel like you're buying a, a one-off Joy-Con one way or the other? Probably not. I've only bought two pairs of Joy-Cons, and that's it. I've that's where, that's where I'm sitting at, too. But this is a good option for... <laughs> I guess this is their way of remediating the Joy-Con drift issue with the left Joy-Con. That they say doesn't exist. Right, and deny. This link is not coming up, guys. Uh, y'all might be on your own for news. Which which link is not working for you? Uh, my browser is not working. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know the next article is Destruction All-Stars, but I don't know anything about it. Who does? Cesar, we hadn't heard from you in a while. I'm not able to pull up either. You are going to save $70 on Destruction All-Stars because it is coming to PlayStation Plus in February. So it's a delay from November 2020 to February 2021. Uh, but for those two months wait, uh, PlayStation mm-hmm. Blog notes, you will get it for free, as it were. And PlayStation Plus is on sale through some random website right now for $28 if anybody needs it. There we go. Uh, Destruction All-Stars is a multiplayer game that... That's at its best when you're competing with gamers online from all around the world. We want as many people as possible to experience the mayhem on PS5, and what better way to do that than provide the game to our PlayStation Plus members? So they launched a new trailer. Uh, they re- they reassured everyone who had pre-ordered physical and digital copies, you'll be able to get your money back through respective retailers or a PlayStation Store. And please look forward to Destruction All-Stars on PlayStation Plus in February. I think it's a brilliant move, to be honest. Yeah. It's going to be on there for, what, two months, I think they said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. So that'll... Uh, I think the console is still going to be hard to find at that point, but it will still be a uh, a good motivator um, 
the review, not the review, the preview embargo of Astro. I want to call it Astrobot, but it's like Astro's Playroom, I think. Mm-hmm. That has lifted, and that is starting to look like a, you know, it's a pack-in game. It's on every PS5 hard drive when you when you fire it up. But that's starting to look more and more like a um, tech demo more than anything else, really. Ah, it's starting. <laughs> It's starting to look like a great launch title. It, it it previews a lot of features of the controller, great graphics. It seems to be uh it seems to be more than just a regular pack in is what I was getting yeah. at. Yeah. People people like it. They do say it's 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 really kind of a a long tech demo, but they do say it's a great game. It shows off a lot of the a lot of the features of the dual sense. Um is really where it shines. It, it uses basically yeah. everything you you can for the dual sense. And people who I have followed for quite some time and who I who I think have a good grasp on the industry, they say the controller feels next gen, like the actual HD rumble we were expecting from from the Joy Cons, that's what you get with this haptic feedback and stuff. So I'll have one Saturday. I'll uh, I'll power it up and I'll turn it on and I'll let you know what the haptic feedback feels like. I'll carry it all around the house. I'll let you know what it feels like. Uh <laughs> the tactile feedback in the bathroom and I'll have, you'll have your first review hot take uh, here on the no podcast. Have you seen all the devices you can use it on? Uh, just PS five so far, right? And uh, uh, X cloud. <laughs> yeah. You can use it for X cloud. Yeah. X cloud, uh, PC. I think PC does recognize it. Yeah. Your PS four will recognize it as a um, microphone. That's about it. That's a microphone. <laughs> yeah. That's what I got it for. I needed a new PlayStation microphone slash headset, and my dual sense is going to fit that bill. I'm really excited for 3D audio. Sassar and I have been talking about this on the side, but that that is going to feel next-gen to me, I think, because sound is, is such an unexplored area, I believe. So we shall see. What's next up in news? Who wants to take this one? So sorry, uh, you're the Assassin's Creed expert. Tell us about your cartoon, um, Ezio. <laughs> There's no cartoon in it. It says it's a live-action adapt- adaptation of Ubisoft's oh, long-running live uh, series. Uh, Assassin's Creed's coming to Netflix. Uh, basically, they just go, this is all from the verge, from Megan Farouk Manesh. Sorry, I slaughtered the name. Uh, Netflix announced that they uh, did an agreement for the stream platform, uh, for, and for Ubisoft to, to tap into their iconic video game troves of dynamic stories with global mass appeal, and the only thing they have to announce was Assassin's Creed. They don't have a; it's in the early stages. They don't have a showrunner. Um, they just kind of just—it was just an announcement that is coming out. So look forward to that video game adaptation. What would you expect from a Assassin's Creed TV show? Assassinations. <laughs> Historical events. Apples uh, of Eden. <laughs> it depends on who the showrunner is. That's what. So whoever yeah. decides uh, how the show's going to play out. So that's what it comes down to, right? Mm-hmm. I know that clicking's pretty low. Uh, uh, there is an animated series on the way. That's what I read. So your cartoon Ancio is still coming, Cesar. <laughs> despite, <laughs> despite the correction. Uh, I have high hopes for this, I think. Uh, Resident Evil's coming. Uh, the first season of The Witcher was really, really good. Did anybody else watch that? 
I thought it was great. I've only heard good things. Oh, man, it's good. And it flies by. Uh, the missus watched it with me, and she has no attachment to the Witcher franchise as a game or books or anything. And she was down for that Netflix series, so that's definitely a good, uh, definitely a good series. Uh, Tyler's Girl, you should definitely check out The Witcher on Netflix. Uh, hashtag Netflix. Hashtag ad. <laughs> Site sponsor Netflix. I think it's pretty good. Uh, next up, Nintendo Direct Mini. This dropped today. Uh, Brant took time out from his day, uh, probably around lunchtime. He watched it, and he has a great summary via business wire of Nintendo's press release. (laughs) (laughs) Brant, you're our Nintendo correspondent. Uh, We're going live to Brant. Brant, it seems like uh, all kinds of crazy shit's happening there. Make sure you're safe. Uh, Yeah, I see you. Can you hear us, Brant? Brant, can you hear us live on the... Okay. Yeah, I've got you. I've got you. We're going live to Brant. He's in the war-torn country of Nintendo. Uh, We'd like an update of all the announcements that came today. Go ahead, Brant. Well, everything started off nice and pleasant like a game of Animal Crossing, and then it just just got crazy. Uh, So there's no Animal Crossing news in this? I think that gets us our highest clicks on the podcast, so we will skip this news bit and move on to something else because that does not behoove us. Uh, What actually happened during this event, Brant? Uh, so, like, I, uh, I was in a, um, an event that took place all day, so I actually didn't see this until you put it on news, but as soon as I got home, I, uh, watched this, this was the very first thing I, uh, I had to do, and plenty was announced. Um, they showed off, this, uh, article kind of goes out of order, so... I'll just hit them as I remember. Uh, so we they first showed off Bravely Default uh, 2 um, from Square Enix. Um, they just showed off a little bit more, um, uh, a nice little trailer showing the story, characters, uh, some of the different things, and, and announced that it will be coming February uh, 26, 2021. Um, then they and showed... And the demo was out. Yes. Um, All right, talk amongst yourselves. Or wait, they they had a uh, they had a demo not too long ago. They took feedback from the demo. Um, they showed off um, story of all seasons, pioneer of Olive Town. It's kind of a creative. Um, resource management build your own town build your own farm um kind of deal where you get to 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 plot out uh how you want to build everything um build your own farm um it's a the in the original farm simulation series it's coming to nintendo switch uh march 23rd 2021 and it's just taking care of your farm animals and vegetables and whatever else. Holy shit, get off it's, the farm stuff. We get it. It's a farm. <laughs> it's <laughs> the farm so, simulator. Oh, it's it's one of those. Um they showed off um Immortals uh Phoenix Rising. Uh they've sh- showed off this a, a good bit. Um so this was just another trailer and Showing off that it will be launching on December 3rd and it's up for uh, pre-orders beginning today. Um, they this was 
kind of crazy. They they showed Control Ultimate Edition um, Cloud version uh, is coming to the Nintendo Switch, and this is a a pretty pretty intense game. I know uh, even the uh, Xbox One X struggled with this game in certain parts. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this does on the Switch. Uh, I can't... I've seen some early reviews of that, and they say it's amazing. Like, you can set graphical settings and everything, and it just runs really? perfectly. Yeah. Japan's been doing this with, what, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Resident Evil 7, I think it was, where the two games you could cloud stream. Yep. Um, so there you have it from Richard. Says It already says that it's a great game. He's played it firsthand <laughs> via yeah. Twitter. Somebody on Twitter, not me. Yeah, the only thing I've seen on Twitter was some people said there was some lag on the audio here and there, but that was all they experienced. Uh, so then we had uh, Hitman 3 is also coming, uh, cloud version. Hitman 3 is also coming to um, to Nintendo Switch. Um, they showed off a game called Surviving the Aftermath, a post-apocalyptic another uh, resource management kind of build-your-own-town sim game, uh, and that launches spring 2021. Uh, Tropico 6, uh, Nintendo Switch Edition, is another um, like top-down uh, building kind of SimCity-esque game, but this one is... Tropico's been uh, on for a while. Yeah, you're you're taking over nations and different things like that. Um, coming to Nintendo Switch uh, November sixth, uh, and pre-orders are already up today. Um, they showed off a little bit more of uh, Bakugan um, Champions of Vistoria, uh, which they've shown before, but this time they uh, <laughs> gave us a big announcement a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, that special game that we didn't know it was coming, and Bakugan. it was Bakugan. Uh, but that got a uh, release date of November third. Uh, what was this? Griftlands Nintendo Switch Edition. I don't think I, think I remember that. PC. I think it's a big current PC game. It's a roguelike uh, card. Oh, uh, yeah, that was the yeah. the card uh, card based battling. Um, yeah, I remember that, and that's summer 2021. Um, and then we move on to the the big games. So they before they ended the show, they showed us a little bit of No More Heroes three, which I know me and Cesar are extremely excited about. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be out, uh, 2020, uh, 2021. Uh, and then just kind of out of nowhere, dropped a little bit of more information on us saying that no more heroes one and two will be on the Nintendo switch. Not only that they're there today. We were hoping this was coming. They're on sale already as well that you get 10% off. They normally sell for 1999. Uh, so of course they are 1799. Uh, so yeah, great games. Go get them. Go get them. Um, can't talk about those enough. And then the thing that they ended the show on is the the big game that they have coming out next month. Um, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. They keep showing us. 
more and more of this game. They already have my money, but they did. This kind of leaked out. <laughs> this kind of Where leaked like, out. This bit's not for me. You're good. Well, that, Your $60 they, is safe. Yeah. They, uh, they, it kind of got leaked out yesterday that uh, there was, uh, I think it was a, a Taiwanese site leaked out that they were, they put up the, about the demo. And uh, then today they announced that, yes, there is a, uh, a playable demo. Um, and it is out today. So as soon as this was over, I downloaded it. Uh, and you will be able to keep your, your save data. You play through the first little, they say the chapter, but if that was a chapter, it was very, very short. Um, but you, you play through that first chapter. You're able to keep your progress. And from playing the demo, I believe you get like Link's training sword or something as like a little uh, bonus uh, when you Wooden buy the sword. retail game. Yeah, Wooden sword and a uh, farmer's tunic. And that was their uh, Nintendo Direct, and they did announce uh, when they ended that Direct that that was their last Direct for the year. Mm-hmm. So I remember the one of the last times we, we did information on the Nintendo Direct, and um, we got Super Mario All-Stars, and um, after that there was a small Direct that gave us a couple small games, and people were like, well, that's it for Nintendo. They don't really have anything else. Uh, some of these some of these games, I'd, I'd say, are uh, pretty big, big titles to get on the Nintendo Switch. For sure. For sure. That was a good direct mini. Cesar, what'd you think? Uh, I don't have a comment because I didn't watch any of it. I literally read uh, whatever was on Twitter. So, Brent knows it more than me. It was enough to purchase the No More Heroes collection. Correct. That's uh, exactly I'm, I'm all in- that happened. I'm intrigued about the cloud stuff. I'm not, you know, super sold on being reliant on someone else to stream the games to me. I have not jumped on uh, Stadia because of that. I did sign up for the Luna thing. Cesar, did you hear anything back from the Luna tryouts or whatever? I have not. I didn't either, so we're not in on that program. Full disclaimer. Um, but this is, uh, it's intriguing for that to be the ultimate edition as they're not even able to figure out the the current gen skews of that. I think the Xbox one was forcing some kind of weird patch that you have to download, mm-hmm. and it was a uh, it was kind of a it's all it's whole mess on top of all of the other mess that we've talked about with the that Control Ultimate Edition being cross platform and everything else and what version of the game you get. Yeah, I think there's uh, what they said that a majority of that game's not on disc for Xbox. It's not. They were saying yeah, they said it, it was a, you had to do a huge download. So. And then. An important thing to point out about next gen as far as people who are still into physical media, that PS5 game is going to give you a PS5 game. The Xbox SKUs from here going forward, for better or worse, are going to be just Xbox SKUs. It could be the, um, you know, it's, it's more or less just an unlock via that disc. You don't know what's actually going to be on that on that physical disc. Uh, yeah, it's something Sony. Go ahead. It looks like the Xbox ones are using standard Blu-rays. I know the Sony's. The reason why we got separate discs is because the PS5 ones are on Ultra, Ultra Blu-ray discs. So that's the reason why those discs won't work in PS4s. They won't. So there will be that generational separation. So whether it's consumer friendly or this is a generational gap or however you want to look at it, um, as far as like preservation and generations and things like that. If you buy a PS5 game, that will be a PS5 game. 
Uh, it's cool that some of the PS4 titles that you can purchase, like the recently delayed, we didn't put in new Cyberpunk once again. <laughs> yeah. What's that new date? December we just 10th. just do that every yeah, episode. December. December what? 10th, I believe. Uh, December 10th. My hot take on that seems to be that uh, stay the hell away from the new, the current gen versions of Cyberpunk. I would say wait for that uh, PS5, Xbox uh, Series X skew if you possibly can. It seems like that seems to be the holdup is getting that beast to run. This seems to be like what happened with The Witcher, right? Y'all remember that? Like it was supposed to be on PS3 and Xbox 360. Like there's no way that game runs on those things. Uh, but but that is something to keep in mind with those generational uh, you know consoles if that if that steers you one way or the other. Uh, one is more of a it's it's back to that Xbox One original concept of okay this disc is just a key. You pop this in, you're going to get the Xbox One version that runs a 900p. You're going to get the One S version that does some sort of 1440p. You've got a One X version of that. You're going to have a Series X version of that. You're going to have a Series S version of that. It's just going to break down into like ultra, high, medium. It's going to break down into settings, you know, PC style based off of what disc you pop in there versus uh, a PS5 being being the actual disc that you purchase. Or if you buy a PS4 game that they have advertised as an upgrade, then you will get that one as well. So, I mean, something, if you look- something to keep in mind is for physical media people out there who are trying to decide between, and it is, Cesar, I'll let you jump in here in a minute. It is easier to fathom when you do have Ubisoft coming out there saying, hey, buy Watch Dogs for this. It's going to carry over to this. It's going to carry over to that. When you're ready, you can upgrade to this version. You can run it in 1440p. When you have something that does ray tracing, you can get it. When you have something that does 120 frames per second, you can get it. So there is that peace of mind from third parties as far as that goes that that you'll have that available. But go ahead, Cesar. Yeah, because, I mean, standard Blu-rays, you can do a single layer is at 25 gigs, uh, dual layer is 50. And then I think you can do a dual layer 4K at 66 gigs, and then the triple layer is 100 gigs. You can fit on ultra Blu-ray discs. Are all ultra discs triple layer, or is that a special build of that triple layer disc? Uh, they only come in dual and triple layer. Okay. It's not. There's special builds of the original Blu-ray disc and triple and quadruple, but you have to have a special laser for those, and they're too expensive. But it's standard. It can read it triple layer disc standardly for 100 gigs. Gotcha. It's not a factor of uh, Super Smash Brothers uh, Brawl or Metroid Prime trilogy burning up Wii's because they can't read that dual layer. <laughs> pseudo dvd that the wii games came out on and they offer you a a fix through nintendo all right uh i skipped the i skipped that story i was talking about what was it oh we got our first look at the uncharted actors we have tom holland as a young nathan drake and we have uh mark mark marky mark mark Wahlberg as a as a sully a mustachioed sully He's supposed to be a younger Sully. It's not the, it's not the Uncharted one and two Sully we all know and love. Uh, what did you guys think of the of the actors? How they how they showed them off and presented them? As long as um, <laughs> Sully doesn't have a Brooklyn accent, I think I'll be all right. <laughs> but uh, uh, take you to a Patriots game. <laughs> I was I was actually blown away, and I thought because it's so close to Halloween. Uh, when I saw that picture of um, Tom Holland, I was like, "Oh, dang!" I was like, "Man, that that looks that looks pretty good." And then uh, once I saw a little bit more, and then I started digging into it and see 
uh, Nolan North himself visiting the set, meeting with yeah. Tom Holland and uh, looking around. And um, I, I believe this article even talks about um, that Tom Holland met with uh, some of the guys from Naughty Dog, including um, Neil Druckmann. And Neil Druckmann went down to the set and said it looks insane, just everything they have um, so far. He's been the biggest critic of that movie for a while, so... Druckmann has? Yeah, because I think he wrote a script or something like that, and they passed on it, and, and he, he was uh, skeptical on how they were going to tell that story, translation from game to movie. And so, this... Because I, I know The Last of Us TV show, he wrote the script for it. I was about to say, he's behind The Last of Us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, so had more, he, he had more creative control on that than he did in Uncharted. I know he was kind of down on Uncharted when they were, it's only announced they were making a movie on it. But I know they've had a lot of ebbs and flows with this movie, ups and downs, uh, trying to make this thing, um, directors leaving, whatnot. Uh, and this is, this is like, this is going to be um, like Sony's the first actual, like the Sony video game full on movie. And this is their first thing. But uh, as far as yeah, just just Tom Holland as Nathan Drake that that works for me. Yeah. I, I I didn't think it would work because when I Tom I was like Tom he's too young, but no it 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 looks really good. The uh, the Mark Wahlberg with the mustache and the <laughs> hair slicked back looks. I'm a little bit more apprehensive on that. Uh, and I, I want to do it. I think he could do it. I was like, I, I really want to see his his method and 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 how he's going to approach the character. But I, I I'm still I'm I'm leaning toward I want to see this. I, I want to I'm for this. I'm for this movie. Uh, Tyler's girl in the chat. She notes that the games were already like movies. And I couldn't Pretty help much. but think I couldn't help but think of the Kevin Butler ad. Do you all remember that? <laughs> Not uh, an issue. Dear, dear PlayStation, <laughs> dear PlayStation, uh, I've been playing Uncharted 2, and uh, my girlfriend thinks it's a movie. Uh, Kevin Butler's like, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, I, I I can understand it with uh, Nathan Drake's adventuring, the set pieces, the live action. Uh, she'll come around. She'll figure out it's a game. And then <laughs> the girlfriend walks in, <laughs> and he's like, uh, it's been two days. <laughs> she says, all right, I'm ready. Start the movie. <laughs> Kevin Butler says, I'm going to file this under not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the great man if kevin butler hadn't shot himself in the foot with the was it bridgestone mario kart Wii commercial mm -hmm. we could we could still have kevin butler we miss you bring him back <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's greatness yeah this is i think this is their first movie from playstation productions and it should be almost done filming because yeah. he's getting ready to he's getting ready to start spider-man 3 so i figured that's why we even got that intel that we got as it were I, Which is also another Sony movie, yeah. Well, uh, another Marvel Sony production, but I'm more excited about uh, Spider-Man Three because <laughs> you may you filming may get, parts of that here. Yeah, you may get your uh, your uh, Andrew Garfield sequel in that. Dude, I saw it. I saw it. They're bringing the pieces together. That's my favorite group of those Spider-Man movies. Is the Andrew Garfield's like, come on, let's go, let's finish, let's finish what you started. I needed I need a third one in that series, man. The series was so damn good. Supposedly, the only one that's hingering on is uh, Tobey Maguire. He yeah. wants more. He wants more screen time. Apparently, he doesn't want more money. He wants more screen time. 
Oh, ahead, give Brant. Toby the screen time. Give Toby the screen yeah. time. Come Go on. ahead, Brant. Do the dance. <laughs> do the emo <laughs> Spider-Man dance for him. <laughs> oh my! I, I, either way, either way, I think this is going to happen because this is how you take Spider-Man out of the Marvel universe. So, Shit. You, yeah, you throw, you throw him in Spider-Verse. That's how you can take him in and out. Because I, I think this is this. Hey, this movie, and then there's another like Avengers type movie, is all they have left on that deal with uh, Sony. Yeah. So I think this is how they're going to take him out: is throw him in the Spider Verse, and then they can move him around and fight Venom and all that. So. Or Morbius. Yeah. What's up with this outcome? Uh, last bit of news. Now that we're an hour into this glorious show and your weekly update on news, uh, emo Spider-Man dancing, and okay, we have two more. I am looking at one. I have a Halo story. Brant's going to cut in and do another story for us. I apparently closed one out. Go ahead, Brant. Uh, this was a story that you, you gave to us uh, <laughs> about <laughs> from the PlayStation blog uh, about uh, bug snacks. Oh, here we go. This is big news. Being free at launch for PS5 uh, for PlayStation Plus members. Uh, so this was kind of a surprise thing, and it's uh, starting today, you'll um, be able to pre-order Bugsnacks uh, on PS4, PS5, uh, both of both available for pre-order uh, at FanGamer right now. Uh, and, yep, and then you know it's just uh, also it's gonna be there on launch on on PS5 for PS Plus members. So it's that's awesome. Uh, it's, it's great, and this you know these are the same people that did Octodad. I, I really liked Octodad. This yep. game looks, it doesn't look as wacky as Octodad, but it looks it looks pretty pretty out there. Brand, so they it'll grow be, fruits and vegetables out of their appendages. Come yeah. On <laughs> so this this will <laughs> that look that Cesar gave you. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> the excitement Dial, to me is dial back the creeper a little bit. <laughs> When I look back at that PS4 launch, like I enjoyed my upgrades for Battlefield, FIFA, the little bit of Call of Duty I played. But the shining star of that launch lineup was Resogun, which was our first PS Plus uh, PS4 title. Resogun is, was and still is one hell of a game. And that was, damn, that's been seven years. Can y'all believe that? This generation? That's crazy. That's wild, right? Just like the last I remember one, coming back. It was seven years before we got the PS4, remember? Wow, it just we we just didn't have that hardware bullshit like we did with the PS3 and 360. That's why right. it wasn't that bad. We, well, we, we had needed, we needed... up. Oh, Cesar froze. Go ahead, Cesar. I said we, we got to remember we we had the the hardware that can handle it. Yep, and we had the midstep. Uh, even loops. we had the one even X's. The sta- and the... Even the standard PS4s and the one X's can still run games properly at lower resolution. So that's true. That's true. They just kind of shift into that downscaling uh, gear, don't they? Mm-hmm. All right. Our last bit of news is Halo Infinite director Chris Lee exits project. This comes from Gamatsu. Lee remains an employee at Microsoft. Uh, this is another big loss for the Halo Infinite project. Halo Infinite game director Chris Lee has left the project. He confirmed to Bloomberg. This was a Jason Schreier Bloomberg exclusive. Lee is the second top director to leave the project in the last two years. It says he's looking forward to opportunities. He's worked at 343 since 2008. Uh, Chris Lee remains a Microsoft employee, and while he has stepped back from Halo Infinite right now, we appreciate all he's done for the project to date. Uh, It was set to launch alongside the new hardware, Gamatsu notes, on November 10th, but was delayed to 2021. It will also be available for Xbox One and PC. 
Uh, Cesar, I think you had the best take on this when we were texting about this because you knew I'd see it. Uh, what do you think about the direction of Halo Infinite and what this what this kind of means for the project, the game, what it means, you know, that just that scope of what this title even is anymore? I don't know. I think it changed so many hands that you probably need to do a redo. And I think they're trying to make it work with what they have, and that's why people are leaving. Uh, I think it's probably a creativity issue. So, yep. It's like you. It's like me putting me in the room where I got to fix somebody else's mess, and you know, it's just it makes you more agitated. And it's like, well, why can't I just do it this way? And it was like, well, you already started this way. You just got to finish it. That's what we brought you in for. Is that what um, Joseph Staten was brought in for? Do you think he was he was meant to iron out some of this stuff? I don't know, because, I mean, it, most of it just seems to be development issues. I, I think it's just they can't get a grasp of where they want to do with this game, in my personal opinion. So, if, so they what probably is... got the multiplayer aspects already done. They, it's probably right. trying to get everything else tied in there. Because, remember, this is completely different than what they're selling to us as an open-world Halo. So, right. No, you know, I mean, it's not to say that first-person shooters haven't been open-world before or haven't been done before. I mean, they have, and they've been done successfully. You can look at Far Cry 4 or 3 or... But I guess, you know, it's, it is a halo, and they want to innovate and do something completely different that hasn't already been done before, so. But is that even... I, I'm the biggest Halo fan on the podcast, I would say. That's that's my game's play. That's probably 12 hours this weekend for Friday, Saturday night was Halo. Um, what is Halo now? Is it or is it up to them? Is that their mantle to carry? Is it up to them to innovate, to bring something new to the table? Or was it enough to... You know, that gameplay demo we saw, I was excited by because my, my game of the year last year was Gears 5, so I started playing that with you and just taking that Gears formula that we've loved for the past 10-plus years and just and opening it up and giving us objectives and things like that. It was it made for such a cooler, more expansive narrative. Like, we decided some of the narrative in the order that, that we wanted to do some of those things. Was it probably overall linear? Maybe, but between... <laughs> Between the glitches forcing us to do different missions, you know, it was that was the best Gears game I've played. I love that 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 step that they took. So, do you think they're having to drop back that much and and punt and figure something new out? No, I, I think what it is is that you you originally had what the original director that left, and you're, it's for me, it's like there's nothing more harder to do is to get somebody else's vision to work, unless right. that's what you do for a living. Unless you hire somebody who comes in and finishes somebody else's work. What's uh? What's the Xbox? What's the finisher? The is it is the Gears guy, right? Uh, oh, he's Rod, not even there anymore. Yeah, he's in uh, Blizzard. Remember? He's at Blizzard now. Four. Yep. So I mean, because remember, I think Mike, uh, what Mikey Barra took him with him. Yep. Remember, Mike, Mike left, and then Rod kind of followed. They're all, they're both working at Blizzard after Blizzard had that exodus with all the people leaving. <laughs> so. So imagine by this point we would have heard about Rod Ferguson being at <laughs> being at three four three to try to get Halo shipped in time. Well, I think the and guy that just, just yeah, I think the guy that just left three four three was they were hoping was going to be that type of person for them. It just wasn't it because they got somebody who originally wasn't the original development of Halo, and they were right. I guess they were going to try to if they went that route. My what I would imagine is they're trying to reinvigorate some of that old school feel in there. I guess that's what they felt was missing in this. They didn't want to go complete Halo 5, where a lot of people were disappointed where it was completely different, or Halo 4. I guess they want to kind of re- reinvigorate what made Halo special. That so. campaign seemed like it was hitting the right notes, though. I, I, was it the flack from Craig the <laughs> Craig the uh, Banished or the, the Lego block 
backgrounds or you know what what was not quite up to quality that they realized that they thought that all these changes were in order you gotta remember we that's the first time we ever seen that halo game and then they expected to ship it that fall i mean it wasn't that was like it. Yeah. they haven't shown any evolution of it so this is the first impression everybody got and it seemed like nobody wanted it uh i would imagine they were seen as an early build for them and even then if they felt more confident about their product they wouldn't really take that criticism to heart they'll be like well you know we know it's gonna be better just wait you know right but it seems like uh they must have felt that same way too you know within that team and that's why they changed the direction it went and, you know it makes sense because a lot of those people were leaving before they start showing that footage so. so so the good thing i will i will say this as a halo fan the good thing about uh this delay and this this inconsistency and all that kind of stuff there are still new novels coming out there's been two novels come out this year one was recently released uh, Master Chief Collection is better than ever. Uh, Halo 5 is still out there, even though they're propping up Master Chief Collection as the the de facto Halo, it seems like. There's still plenty of Halo out there between lore, gameplay, all that kind of stuff. And honestly, the way I see it is it's that Miyamoto quote of a delayed game is is better than a rushed game, you know? It's that's not the exact quote. It's it's along those lines. <laughs> I'm not I'm not even laughing at your thing. I'm just laughing whatever Daniel Maud put out there because remember he did that for uh, Cyberpunk. What did he, he say? He, he said, delay it. <laughs> I'll keep going and I'll find it and I'll read and I'll look. I'll read it out loud because, you know, he his threads are kind of long. So I'm going to have to yeah. find it. Yeah. But, but, uh, he, he, you know, he take your a, time on that. This is a assessor pointed out. It's kind of pivotal time for Halo. It's the best game in Halo currently is one that came out, what, six years ago? And there's. They're just now got it working well and playing well and that kind of stuff. And but they're still adding new seasons to it, new content to it, which if you had told me in 2014 that there's going to be seasonal content for Halo Master Chief Collection, I'm like, what is that? So this game since publishing has evolved into into what this is now. So I think my final say on that is take your time, get the right people in there get the story to where it's going to be true to the franchise. And uh, we'll see it when it gets here. Right. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm, uh, me personally, I think you should just start from scratch. That's what I'm saying. But whether or not they'll do it or not. Right. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not a game developer and I'm not going to speak for anybody. So I'm, I don't know what they, you know, how much man manpower or, you know, hours they put in that game to development. They may have something that they want to release. You know what I mean? So right. I don't know. I'm and there's still that was in that Phil Spencer interview. There still may be that prospect of that we already know the multiplayer is going to be free, so everybody's with a Xbox One and up is going to be able to play Halo Infinite multiplayer. You know, maybe that's a, a shipped separately single player skew from that that free multiplayer that everybody gets. I think so. Sorry, you brought that up in our chat. So we'll just wait and see. We'll see what the future holds for Halo. Cesar, did you find that tweet before we move on? I think... <laughs> Live correction. Uh, yeah, because he tweets so much, and I, I just take on uh, fucking Miyamoto, and I, I die laughing. Did I like it, though? A delayed game a delayed game is eventually good, and a rushed game is forever bad, or something like that is, the, is closer to the quote than what I... Shit out there is the Miyamoto quote. <laughs> and I think his original context was in relation to Twilight Princess, if I remember right. Then pushing back Twilight Princess. I didn't realize, 
until like looking back at release dates, the Wii one came out before the GameCube. Cesar, do you remember that? The GameCube yeah. version of Twilight Princess was like three weeks plus behind the Wii one. Now no, we all remember there was a, there was a lot of people pissed about it because remember I, I yeah. could you know a friend of the show Andrew I remember I think he was more upset because he was going to play that on the GameCube. Yeah. Oh, here we, we go. Had, I found it. We had way more GameCube pre-orders for it than we did Wii ones. I mean, the Wii one, they reversed it. It was widescreen. It was 480p. So that's where I taught me into component cables and all that bullshit at that point. But the GameCube one ended up being the superior game, and that's what the Wii U version is built off of. You found it, Cesar? Yeah. He uh, he put this up. A rush game is forever bad. A delayed game is Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said quoted by Shigeru Miyamoto, probably. <laughs> Probably. <Maybe not. laughs> a delayed game is Cyberpunk 27. Uh, Metal Jesus put up a... He's got a banner from uh, some local retail store, and it says Cyberpunk 27.7 coming September 17th, 2020, like the original release date. And uh, or that's probably not even the original. It's probably like an amended one. And his his uh, caption on the tweet was, this this gets more and more collectible every day. Every day it goes by, it's more. it's worth more and more. I thought it was pretty good. Is that it for news? That's our uh, brand. I didn't skip on anything. That's it. You hit all the points. We're golden. I will segue from our half Halo segment into my uh, Halo of the week <laughs> catch up. I actually was able to get in Halo Master Chief Collection on Friday night and Saturday night. Still all Halo 1, still all action sacks, still muskets and cannon fodder and uh hellbringers the flamethrower mode and brand i'm telling you i say it every week jump in there with us man we always need a fourth almost 90 percent of the time we need a fourth so it's just god it's so much fun man and uh saturday night friend of the show dale was actually here i have the little uh the little offset social distanced um online but still couch co-op set up with two xbox ones so we were able to still play multiplayer that way. Um, it's still a blast, man. I love that game. I uh, did some more tinkering. I think I've settled on the TV that I'm going to keep set up for the time being. Friends of the show will know how this goes for me. But uh, everything I've thrown in, it looked really good. Uh, Brant, I couldn't come to a happy medium with that TV that you and I share. I just, something about it. I was like, all right, let me take this down and try something else out. So I've actually got, it's in that same family. It's a Toshiba AF. It's a 14... 43 or something like that is what I want to say. It's it's a 14 inch set, so it's really you know it's really small. You you saw it at the last land party that I had, yeah. the last single one, and uh, it's got a component you know 480i only, and it's got uh, S video. So just about everything I need to throw at it, I can do. Um, I played some more Sly on it. I was able to beat that first boss. I didn't do that last week. I got enough keys to beat that boss. His name is Raleigh. He's a frog. Uh, I, I was chatting with Cesar about this. Uh, Brant, did you, you played Sly recently, right? Within the past couple of years. Yes. Do you remember the frog? He would like lick the, he would lick the flies out of the power and like grow up, get yeah. like super huge, and then jump on the lily pad after you. And you just have to figure out the pattern of how he's going to come after you and that kind of thing. Yes. And I died many times at this old school. Okay, just die until you figure out the pattern, and then you'll go from there. Like you'll figure it out. It's not, it's not quite as simplistic as 
like a Zelda fight where you run around for a little while and then you see the orange blinky bits go off. So there was a little bit more to it than than just trying to isolate the the blinky bits. Um, I got a game over in Sly Cooper and it doesn't seem to do anything. So I just I was right back there at the boss with like five lives all over all over again. So I don't know what you actually lose on that. Um, I haven't been collecting a lot of the bottles on the if I see them, I'll get them on the game. So I haven't I know that's that's needed for the platinum trophy if you play on PS3 and to unlock the different moves like the extra moves for Sly. I only have one of those. So one of the levels of the. What now 11 I've played, have I gotten all the bottles, the secret moves from the Thievius Raccoonus to unlock the secret move for Sly? And the one I got was like a staff, like you hit triangle and he flies at an enemy with the staff, like in a mm-hmm. in a whirly bird type thing. Uh, beat the boss. I moved on to the next level. Um, I got the first three keys out of that pretty quick and unlocked the second. It, it's seeming like there's a pattern, like you get three keys in the first part, the first three worlds to unlock the second part of that same world where you'll need four more and then you'll get to the boss. At least this one is following that first world. And this one is in like a uh, a comedic take on Las Vegas. And his name is Mugshot with two Gs. He's a bulldog with a cigar. And the enemies have cigars. <laughs> There's like these uh, Dobermans. And if they kill you, they have they have guns, right? And if they see you, they have like AK-47s. If they see you, it's an immediate death. Like there's no way around it. You can't even you can't run from them. You can't get around the corner or nothing. They'll kill you. It's if you have a if you have a horseshoe, you can try to run, but they'll kill you. So as you die, it's almost that Crash Bandicoot thing of like, remember how you would die and Crash would if you jumped in ice, he'd be like shivering mm-hmm. as he came up. Uh, the the Doberman start shooting the AK-47s up in the air like they won this major victory. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? You just shot me, and they're like, oh, and then I have to start over that part. <laughs> as, uh, as as one does. Point I laughed out. at it, man. I couldn't help but laugh at it. I died a couple more times. I was like, oh, shit, this happened. Uh, some of the checkpoints on Sly Cooper are, I'm guessing with two and three, they get a little bit more liberal with that. But some of the checkpoints, man, you'll get past like three or four crazy-ass platforming sections or stealth sections, and you'll die. And I'm like, okay, where was I at? And then I'm right back at the beginning of the level. Yeah. So, shit. But uh, it look good on that TV, man. It, it plays well. Um, I don't know if the second and third ones, when I get onto them, if the camera, you can invert the camera properly because I'm still fighting the camera. As soon as my, you know, my natural mode of like zooming it around, I guess I'm used to inverted because there's no option to reverse the camera. But uh, Sly Cooper remains pretty good. Um, I popped in Prince of Persia on Xbox and started it off. I did this like six months ago, right before I moved, and I realized this was not the same Xbox that I had hooked up, so <laughs> it wasn't the same game save. So I played a little bit of that, and then was like, "Nope, I'm not doing this again. I'll, I'll come back to my save because I was like two hours in, maybe, which isn't much, but you don't want to do all that intro shit again, where they're teaching you mechanics and uh, press X to pull out your sword and stuff like that. It's like that uh, that that tweet I sent you, right? Yeah, <laughs> you pick up a game save from <laughs> from some time ago, and you're like. Where am I? I don't I recognize remember. this world. I, I don't recall any of this. <laughs> I was like, uh, well, Gandalf? Yeah. That's worse was it. with RPGs. I tried that with Final Fantasy X, and I'm on this I'm on this airship finally, and like the Albed are in shambles, and somebody took Yuna, and I'm trying I'm trying to figure out what's happening. I did that with the what was the PS3 to Vita to PS4 cross saving? It had a different term. It wasn't cross save. 
Oh, it wasn't transferring either. That was the Konami version. It might have been cross-save. Is that the right term? Uh, you mean the Kojima one? The Kojima one was transferring. Yeah, he, had, he always had to come up with some freaking phrase. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> but um, uh, I popped in Xbox Notable Showcase Splinter Cell. I played the first mission of that where you're kind of going through the training simulator and that kind of stuff. Look great on the. It was more of a test for the TV than anything, because I did the same with uh, GameCube. I popped a GameCube in there with um, S Video, and loaded up a uh, Metroid Prime save, and experience uh, what Cesar was just talking about. What <laughs> I don't what was that? I don't recognize any of this. I don't. I don't, I don't recall. I don't, I don't recall any of this. I don't recall. Just looking around. It was just looking uh, around like crazy. It was probably it's probably like three or four hours into Metroid Prime, and it wasn't anything crazy. But I do know last time I played that was on Wii. And there's something about playing on native GameCube. I mean, the Wii, I would never argue against using a Wii for GameCube support. You got uh, component cables that are cheap. Um, you got the four controller ports. You got two memory card ports. You're literally taking no hit by playing it on Wii. And I haven't seen any graphical difference. There's there's videos that will nitpick this versus this. scan. But if you have GameCube component cables, we're not even having this discussion, right? And uh, what I was getting to, there's something about that GameCube boot screen. And you don't get that on the Wii, even when you're playing a backwards compatible stuff. So there's a there's a special little bit to that. Uh, the other games I played uh, Friday night, I had uh, my late night buddy stayed up with me, my oldest child. Uh, they wanted to play a game as I was uh, watching football and also playing a game. So I... I had recently gotten them Kim Possible What's the Switch on PS2, which is actually a very good platformer, I have to say. <laughs> I'm watching this go down. I, I had read that, and, and I got it for them. Like, okay, this will be a decent game. It plays similar to a, I would say, like a Klonoa or a, um, what's another 2.5D? Like uh, Toomba, maybe? Where you're still on a 2D plane or uh, Pandemonium. Y'all remember that Pandemonium for Saturn and PS1 and and uh, Engage? I had a friend Engage, but uh, you'll be you'll be going along a 2D plane, but it'll rotate. So as Kim Possible, and it has the feature uh, Brant that we talked about on Crash 4. The multiplayer is not true two-player, two-controller multiplayer. It will just as you die, you go to a screen that says "Please pass controller to player two," and then you just you go back and forth based off of that. And I was like, man, this game's in this game from this long ago. And uh, But with the two, two and a half D type stuff, you'll be going along a plane and you'll see like we were in a museum. So there were knights with swords and the sword would, you know, it would drop and then it would come back up and you would have to time it. Right. But as you're looking ahead of you, there's like three knights ahead of you and it's spinning around that that 3D plane, you know, and it wasn't it didn't look 100 percent true to the TV show. I'm not super up on the Kim Possible lore. But I'm, I'm familiar with the characters, at least. And it didn't look exactly like them, but it was this weird, soft palette cell shading that uh, really held up on the CRT that she was playing on. So we actually had a good time with that. <laughs> she also played some of the true... It's funny, we mentioned Crash Bandicoot 4. She played some of the true Crash Bandicoot 4, not the bastard one that Brant played, and uh, got further in that than she's ever gotten. She's getting better at the camera controls and that kind of stuff, so... 
Uh, Halo, the true Crash Bandicoot 4, Kim Possible, what's the Switch? A little bit of Splinter Cell, a little bit of Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, and a little bit of Sly Cooper. That's it for me. A tinkering weekend bookended by uh, rounds of Halo and adult beverages. (laughs) While Halo. (laughs) What you guys got? Who's next? Yeah, I saw Brent's on my uh, link I'll put on there. Would oh, you yeah. would you post to us, sir, mid-conversation? <laughs> I have no memory of this place. <laughs> it's, uh, is it the Gandalf? Is it the Gandalf? It's Gandalf. Describing? It's Gandalf. Oh, no man. Reason. I do not recall this place. Uh, I felt like it's some of those oh. save games. I'm like, oh, God, I, I don't know. It's time to start over. Uh, it's up to you, Brent. You want to go? I, only, I literally have one game, so but mine may be a little bit long. Okay, because I, I put like twenty hours into that one game. So. Oh wow. Um, well, I've got. Uh, I played a few games of Super Mario Thirty Five. Still no win. No. Um, but I, I, How, I, what's the highest you gotten? Second. I keep getting second yeah. place and then just getting out foxed. I got. Um, I got. To, I got to third, and after that, I've only played it once, and I got to third, and I was like, yes, yeah, I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, after after a few times, I mean, you get it, you get it. So like, what's your highest finish? No, that's why I've only played it once. I got the third. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that was it. I was like, oh, I had my, I had enough. One and done. It's it's fun and it's 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 interesting, but yeah, even I'm starting to get like, well, nah, do I really need the win? Um, How many hours do you have into it though, Brian? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have Come to, on, I'd have to look. finish I'd the have drill to for you. Um, the, the biggest thing that, uh, I did get into days gone. No, no days With gone. New five gig oh, patch. Turn that off. Uh, well, first of, first off, I, since I mentioned it, um, I did download the, the demo for, uh, Hyrule Warriors and, um, played all through that today. All which through the took, demo. Yeah, which the took... One episode. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe an hour. Maybe a little less than an hour. To just get long. through. Um, gosh. It's fun. It's fun. It's... I mean, it's... A Dynasty Warriors, Samurai Warriors type gameplay. But with Oops it out, in... Baby. With it in that, that Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild world. And you're r- running around and there's... Like you use, um, was it uh, ZR to like quick aim um, with each different player, each different characters, like special ability. So like Link, if you press that, it immediately brings up the bow and arrow, and you just aim it and let go, and he just like does like this quick shot of volleys of arrows, um, and then just all the different moves. Um, that that he can do it, it's it's super satisfying nice. it's very very satisfying and to answer your question it says played for 10 hours or more uh on <laughs> as far as super mario bros 35 well done Ooh. it sounds like our PUBG clock so sorry <laughs> 87 hours per win <laughs> I- I don't know that shit. I don't even remember. I have to, I have to go look at my ex, the Xbox app and see where I was at on PUBG. Now you mention it. It was bad that one year. 
I think because you double me because there was. I mean, I know you were playing some games. Well, multiple groups. Uh, it's literally been almost three years since I won a PUBG round. Since I got a chicken dinner, <laughs> two and a half minimum. Um, but the 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 thing that I spent the most time on uh, because it came out Friday. Uh, well, at least the physical version of the game came out Friday. Da, 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 da. Oh, the other Zelda game of the week. What do yes. you think? Uh, I really enjoyed um, this. Uh, for those not watching, that was a uh, uh, crypt or uh, cadence of Hyrule. And trust me, uh, the Zelda answer. Trust, trust me, none of us seen it. It was all blurred for me. So <laughs> <laughs> it flaked out big time. We saw your poster yeah. in the back, though. We know we knew what it was, but yeah. Uh, so. Uh, I really enjoyed um, Crypt of the Necrodancer, um, which is technically, I guess, the, the first game in the series. It's a lot more difficult than than this title is. This this title is definitely a lot more approachable, and uh, I did actually enjoy that about this. Um, I sat down with it. I think it was late Friday, and and just played a little bit of it, um, and then. Finished it up Monday, the main story. Okay. Um, this, of course, the physical copy comes with um, the DLC that was announced a few months ago, yeah. uh, already on the cartridge. That's the big um, thing. So I'll, I'll dive into that. Uh, the biggest thing was like uh, Saturday, I sat down with my son and he, he was sitting there on his Switch and I put this on and start playing it. And then he stops playing what he's playing to watch me. I'm like, you want to play? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so immediately. What do you do in the Necro Dancer slash Cadence? What sets it apart from a normal uh, dungeon crawler or Zelda game? What's the what's the what's the main difference in those? So the the biggest thing is yes, it's it's a it's a what they call a, I guess a rhythmic dungeon crawler uh, action adventure game. Um, it's it's kind of hard to explain it's um what it is is you're only able to move a single spot at a time right so your character just kind of hops from place to place um and the objective is to time your jumps attacks uses of items things like that with the beat of the music in the area you're in um and that will up your multiplier get you uh, better rewards because you collect um, once you beat the at least in Cadence of Hyrule once you beat the enemies in the area because uh, you the the art style of this game is uh, linked to the past right and it's and it's very much linked to the past linked to the past like world map style so I mean you walk to the edge of the screen and that scrolls you into another part of the map. And that's that one section is where you're going to stay until you walk to, you know, one, one of the cardinal directions and right. that's going to scroll you to another part of the map. So do you, um, do you head to dungeons in the traditional sense? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, there's, 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 um, all the dungeons, uh, all the same enemies, um, that you, you'd see from, most Zelda games, um, they're a little updated from um, Link to the Past. So you'll see, like, 
lionels. It's and, almost like uh, a Minish Cap. Goblins. Minish Cap yeah. take on Link, Link to the Past, like a 3D-ish, 2D-ish art style. But um, it looks beautiful. Oh yeah, but you you get um, you get these diamonds, and the better you keep with the beat and things like that, the 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 more you're going to collect, right. and those are used to buy certain items in the game or. Once you die, uh, you're able to pick from a random generated uh, set of items. Uh, and they're helpful, and you can use your your currency to buy some of those items. And so once you get to a single area of the map, you beat all the enemies in that area, and then you can move freely. You don't have to constantly only move your one space at a time keeping with the beat through every single thing. Uh, and the biggest thing with this is uh, Cadence is kind of thrown into this world. She doesn't know where she's at. Um, so Cadence is an actual character. It's not just the the musical take on the, on the lore. No. Cadence is, um, let's see. I can unblur here. There we go. So like a so, Cadence Oh god! Uh, for for view, visual viewers, uh, it's a blonde-haired chick with a shovel, shovel knight, basically. Yeah, she's blonde-haired, shovel uh, has a blue like bandana. Uh, she's voiced by a um, amazing female streamer named uh, Elspeth. Um, she's great streamer, great uh, voice actress, um, but she's kind of thrown into this world. Uh, and she, of course her world is all the rhythmic dungeon crawling. Um, and in this, a mysterious character, Octavio comes to Hyrule, uh, starts putting Otto, the, is it Otto Octavio? No, it's this weird little elf looking gremlin guy who's got like a golden loot <laughs> and, uh, put, starts putting all of the, uh, putting all the high roll to sleep and yet has all the, all these monsters everywhere. So I like it. you got to dance them awake. The, as cadence, you, you run through the, the first little dungeons and then you choose from two different portals to jump through and awaken one of the two heroes of, of Hyrule. So you either choose to wake, um, Zelda or link first, and okay. then you can, you continue with the game and you, you know, eventually will unlock the other character. And then of course with the DLC, they, they have, um, like skull kid and, um, there's a few other people and, it's, it's, it's just an amazingly fun game. Like I've I was heard talking some of the music from it, like the takes on, on those classic Zelda themes and such. So let's see. Oh, he's got something for us. Live. Let's see. Copyright infringement. Nintendo takedown. Uh oh. Link's Awakening. Yep. EDM stuff. <laughs> EDM Link's Awakening. <laughs> so, like, is all that, of the. Uh, is that Tall Tall Heights? Mm. I think that's the name. I think that's where it's from. Yeah. But they have. They and not all of it's like that electronic style. A lot of them have <laughs> different different takes on music, different uh, genre style yeah. of music. Uh, and your uh, main objective in the game, of course, is to 
uh, get to the castle and defeat Octavio. And to do this, you have to beat his four champions uh, that, of course, are all music themed and have their own instruments. So you fight an uh, an enemy that has an oboe, one that has a glockenspiel, uh, one that ha- that's basically <laughs> that's a fancy know. xylophone, that's uh, a, uh, a bass guitar, and maracas. So the okay. the weirdest band that you could ever think of. It sounds like the band, the Majora's Mask band, right? <laughs> Isn't that just about them? <laughs> just that about. Band from uh, Star Wars. from the cantina yeah the cantina band nah this it's it's a hard game to describe and it's um it's one that you have to really sit down and take the time to kind of get into the groove like the Um, intricacies yeah yeah, i really i really didn't want to throw that like pun in there um it works put it on the back of the box (laughs) for mckee Give it time one, to get in the groove. <laughs> once you start getting that, you know, moving with the beat, attacking with the beat, it becomes very, very fun. It, it's it's very addicting. Yeah. Um, and like I said, like it, with with the original Crypt of the Necrodancer um, and this one, everything's randomly generated. So no two worlds are the same. Uh, if you die, you go back into a dungeon. The layout's going to be different. Um, and with, with, with cadence, um, you would go through and you would have several layers. Um, so you'd have like, like a, uh, level one and you'd go through several, several different layers of this dungeon and then you'd get to the boss and have to defeat the boss of that level before you could move on to level two. If you died somewhere in that dungeon, if you got, um, just horrible horrible luck and got shit items or you immediately get in and you're starting to walk and then all of a sudden a dragon bursts through the wall you're screwed and you have to start all over and the thing with cadence was uh those those gems and things you got you had to spend them on a power up or a perk or things like that um or just lose them uh, this game, like I said, is a lot more approachable. You keep them; they um, amass over time. Um, there's you're, you're saying it in Crypta the Necromancer, you would lose them. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But in in Cadence, um, in Cadence of Hyrule, you they accumulate, um, and because it's more kind of like a mishmash of a Zelda title, you have your key items, your uh, hook shot Boomerang. things like that yeah you keep um there's still there's still like the um the regular items that you would have like that are just um that uh, that allow you like defense buffs or certain little little things here and there um that you keep for a limited time that if you die you would lose those but it's one of those things they're they're random you're 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 gonna find another one very quickly so it's it's not that big a deal um is there a demo for this one because i i I keep seeing crypt of the necromancer and or necro dancer i'm gonna mess that up forever (laughs) i always want to try it i don't know if it's for me but it's definitely something i want to try there are there are demos available i 
I don't know if there's a demo for Crypt of the Necrodancer. Um, they're three ninety nine. Yeah, it's for like less than five bucks. Yeah, it's extremely stream, extremely cheap. Um, it's a good game. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little bit harder. Yeah, it's not as forgiving. It's it's because you get murdered very easily as you see everybody come towards you if you're not playing all the right. Uh, like I, like yeah. I said, those dragons are they're fucking horrible. They'll bur- they're they're enemies that'll just burst through the wall. They take up a big portion of the screen, and it's it's horrible. But with with this um, cadence, there is a demo of uh, Cadence of Hyrule. Um, it's it's a pretty good demo too. And uh, I might I, try that out. I I definitely give it a shot. Uh, and this this game wasn't too expensive from what I remember. It's like twenty nine, I think. Yeah, I was about to say I think it was twenty nine. Because I think DLC is like fifteen or twenty by itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I I, I enjoyed it a lot. I um I stand by this game, so I have no problem supporting it. It sounds like something I don't I, I don't know if the gameplay is going to click with me, but it sounds like a good avenue for more Zelda music to enjoy, which I'm always down for. Kind of oh, like yeah. Hyrule, kind of like uh, Hyrule Warriors. Like, all right, here's some more Zelda spin on on music with the uh, the characters you love, the graphics that, from Breath of the Wild and uh, Musou gameplay. You know, this is that perfect twist. So that does sound pretty good, Brant. Yeah, and that's yeah. a big thing with this game is the the music kicks. It's so good. It's yeah. a music game. I mean, that's what it's... Right, because it defines game, the jumps and all that stuff. But uh, I was wrong. It's it's uh, $39.99. $39? $40 mm-hmm. game. Support your physical copy that actually comes with an updated version and DLC, which I'm always down for, too. That includes all the DLC. I think all three pieces of DLC when they mm-hmm. made that announcement. Not bad. Brand, did you play anything else, or is that a... Uh, is that your list? That was it. I beat that and played a little bit of uh, 35, and then today today was that demo. I played a lot of 35, don't lie to us. <laughs> Ten plus not, hours. Not this week, not this week. Ten plus hours. No wins. I think I, think I might have done what you... Yeah, I, I kind of forgot about it because I did, I did what you said. Uh, where popped in an old game that I haven't played in a very, very long time <laughs> and was just kind of like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what... I can't remember what the hell the story was. I'm sitting there with a the controller trying what to remember it? what goes what where. What pop in? Sunset Overdrive. <laughs> that would be hard to go back to. I, it was I, very hard to go back to. I still remember where I'm at in that game. It wasn't that far. I think it was right after uh, you, they introduced you to that uh, that character that's kind of running the whole show, and he's telling you like, "Do this, do that." I don't think I, I got was, any word in the story part. As far as I got too, I was apparently decently into the story because I I got into it uh, after I played around and kind of picked up the controls again. Um, I, I did this mission where we like snuck out of the city and then I was, Oh yeah, yeah. We were trying to escape the city. And then you get like this call saying that the evil soda company, uh, is trying to destroy the city. Now they're trying to like destroy the evidence. So you have to go back into the city to, uh, save your friends. Nice. And aside from these weird mutant soda zombies, there's now uh, giant robots. So, I played a little bit with that, and 
that's a that's a kooky insomniac game that was really out there for them uh but it was it was pretty fun it was pretty fun but it was very it it was hard to to pick it back up after so long and i think that's going to go down as one of those as we close this generation it's going to go down as one of those highlights of the xbox one you know it was a good game seeing all that yeah I mean, it's got it's got a lot of fans in there, and so I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people believe that game and always wanted a sequel. They felt like that it would have done better if they got another chance, right? But you know, I've, yeah, I have those issues too when I put in games like that, where I was like, <laughs> all right, let me play five more minutes and see if I remember where the fuck. Because I think that's how I, what happened with me tells of Basaria. Somehow I, I got sidetracked and I, I went and was like oh let me just start over and i was like it was 20 fucking hours to get to where i was at and holy that's, shit that's a long and time I, going through it i didn't forget anything at all i don't know why i pretend i did i just i remembered everything i was like fuck i still remember it now because i had to go through it twice <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I yeah i don't know my memory's usually pretty good on games it's not too bad unless it's like some Psychotherapy type game where I'm like, you know, like or something you weren't invested in, you know? My God, do I even care at this point? Why? Is this All right, Cesar, so, what's your what's your one twenty hour game if you can recall where you were? Unlike Gandalf. Oh, mine's easy, man. I'm still in my uh, visual novel bullshit. So, uh, it's the year you know, of the visual novel. I'm because I finished up all the the Steinsgate ones and um and that was Steinsgate that I, and Steinsgate Zero, right? Yeah, and then Steins Gate Elite, Elite, uh, which is a retelling of the Steins Gate Uno, and that's I don't know what happened because you know you, you saw that stuff on Gimatsu where they just had their their own little thing where they announced a whole bunch of more games in that universe coming out. Yep. So in my uh, and our, Richard's already seen this. So in my uh, Steins Gate Phantomonium right now I got going on there. This came Phantomonium. <laughs> and uh, for. It, for our video or our audio listeners, that is what for Xbox 360. The original Steins Gate. This is what originally came out on there. This the is the platinum collection. This includes the DLC, so I don't have to actually have a Japanese credit card to buy the DLC. Uh, this came this came in today, which is a uh, Steins Gate side story for PS3. PS3, and that one's called what? Uh, I think it was like Reminiscent Hearts, if I remember correctly. It was like a weird dating game or something like that. We got it on PS4 over here. And then I got the original Steins Gate for a PSP that came in today, too. Nice. Are any of these in English? Uh, no. None of them. None of them whatsoever. The 361 plays completely different from the one on PS3, though. I got There's extra scenes in there that I didn't see before. Is that and the definitive one? Or is that just the first? It's streamlined it on PS3 because it's like it's a little bit more. Uh, it was a little bit more harder because like the one I played on 360, you actually have to dial and contact people and know their phone numbers. And I'm sitting here like, what the fuck? I never had to do that on the PS3 one because they can just go to contact list and you already have their phone numbers in there. You can actually dial stuff in there and do stuff, different shit on your phone, which is Did cool. Did they expect and all, you but, to take notes? Uh, I guess you had to go through the game so many times that you just see that stuff because it's not really blatantly obvious where they'll have those <laughs> contact information. It's and you get random you get random stuff if you call people randomly too. It's it's a little bit different. Are you sure Sounds it's like not that. like Metal Gear Solid and you've got to look on the back of the box? Like the damn codec. One forty point nine six. Yeah, because I mean the original science gate, the whole everything's done through that phone. I mean when they do when he does a time leap, since you have to have the phone to transfer your memories because it what like I like I said before, originally it uses that machine to 
take your memories from your frontal lobe. It converts it to binary ones and zeros. It uses the hydrogen collider to shrink the data because it said for the human mind it was 3.72 terabytes. But the phone can only transfer uh, transfer uh, data uh, data sizes of 64 kilobytes. So they use a hydrogen collider to that's a massive difference to compress the data. And what it does is they send that data through the phone. So when you call yourself on the cell phone, it goes through there and it decodes it. So that way that person's able to, to leap into the past and take their memories for 48 hours from the, the future with them. It replants everything in there. Um, and then don't go into, don't get me started on what happens when you start taking somebody else's memories and put in somebody else's mind. That causes <laughs> they kind of warned that Ball in the fantasy seven. They warned that in the original Steins Gate, and then they actually did in Steins Gate Zero. So somebody had their memories all jumbled up, and they didn't know who they were because they were recalling stuff that happened. They were recalling stuff that didn't happen, and they were losing some of their personality. Because the whole point of that, the Steins Gate, is that your memories make up the personality of you, that who you are. So if you have somebody else's memories in there, it alters your personality. So it's either here or there. That's not the game I played. Um, so anything, and, uh, if you ever look at Steins Gate, uh, I've mentioned before, it's called the Science Adventure Series. Mm. Um, I think they might've actually had it on one of these in here or whatever, because I think they started labeling them as such. Science Adventure Series? Yeah. Uh, I believe that's what it is. But, so it's, it's a, it's like, kind of like, uh, just think of it as your Marvel Universe where everything happens in the single world. Um, you can differentiate if it takes place in that world. It, it has a semicolon in the title. So you have signs, semicolon, gate. So why I bring that up is because the original um, graphic novel that started it all was called Chaos Head. So it was Chaos, semicolon, head. And instead of it being a science-based one, it was more of a supernatural type uh, game. Uh, this one originally came on 360 um, and in Japan. It was later ported to the PC and it was later ported to the PS3. Mm -hmm. uh, we never officially got an English release. So I had to watch the anime, uh, which is a which was done by Madhouse, surprisingly. And it was it, the animation was pretty good. I didn't realize Madhouse did it. And this came out like 2008. And it's only it's a short one. It's like 12 episodes. And so just to get the basis of this idea. And, I, and this all leads to something. So just bear with me here. So uh, once you strap uh, in, uh, when, when you play uh, when when you watch uh, Chaos Head, you start out with this. Uh, it's like a shut-in neat. He's living in like a, a cargo ship com container, and all he does is watch anime. And he keeps like a spreadsheet of how many days he can skip school before he gets kicked out of school, and he just doesn't go to school at all. Nice. Um, he's a planner. Yeah. Instead of just winging it. <laughs> trying to remember i had it all pulled up but my uh phone crashed on me he's consulting his notes yeah because it, it's easy i'm trying to get the names on here so yeah i was right um uh, so his name is takumi he lives in a cargo crate on a roof and so he's uh the whole point of chaos head is that they're they have a delusion system so there's no time base like it was in steins gate so you can have either a positive delusion or a negative one so in the anime one, he, uh, you know how we, you know, as human beings, we have delusions where we kind of fantasize stuff that doesn't actually happen. All so the time. Like, so his delusions are like really, really lifelike. So he has like this, uh, he believes in 2D anime girls versus real girls. So like he has this anime, anime with this girl like Sane where he watches and that he actually imagines her to be real. That pretends to be his wife. And he's actually having conversations and interacting with her. 
And so you find out that he has a sister. The sister comes by and visits visits him, and um, it, it's weird. He he gets it. He gets rolled up into the scene where somebody's showing him these um, these murders in Shubia. So in Shubia, they call the New Gen murders. And so he, they're saying he has this uh, clairvoyance where he can, can see the future because they trace all the how he's seeing all these murders before they happen. He sees them like a day before they happen. And so they're saying that he showed it to himself. And so they're running. So like the police are running this investigation and they're finding out. All right, so he's like a suspect for these killings and the killings are weird. Like there's they call the die fall where it was a bunch of four teenagers jumped off the roof of a hospital and they died. There's one they call the pregnant man where somebody oh, wow. had something sold into his stomach and he died. There's one called the crucifix where somebody had uh, all these crosses and he was stabbed up against the wall and bled to death. And so, like, like I said, this is like supernatural type stuff. Uh, they call it the new gen murders. So as he goes through, he meets these girls and these girls are, um, they, they, uh, he starts seeing these uh, weapons they call D swords, DI swords. And so they keep telling him like, you should have one too. And he's confused. So he's, he doesn't, he's like, he doesn't, he doesn't know why he can see these swords. Nobody else can. Why they're carrying around these swords, or, or where whatnot. do they come from? Uh, yeah, so that's the whole point. He he spends like the half the show trying to figure out how to get his own D sword because one of the girls says he should have one. He should be able to see the errors, and he's like errors. What are you talking about errors? So like he said, there's errors like in a computer, errors in reality. It's like they're like don't believe everything you see. So he learns later that the D swords are like like weapons that you can pull from another dimension. So they can use these illusions, and they're called uh, gigliomaniacs. They they have the ability to create things and use things that doesn't really exist in reality and make it true and people can they they take they uh, give off they take the negative particles from these uh from these uh dimensions and put it in people's minds so they can perceive it to be real they there's a power that only a handful of people have apparently so uh you later learn um that there's a nozomi group in shibuya who's uh making a noah 2 machine so as you go through you figure out okay the main villain is, is, is this group who is creating a Noah 2 machine because they want the same power that they have. They want to be able to create stuff out of thin air. Like, you know, right. they're, they're using it to torment people, but if they wanted to create money and whatever they have, it shapes it, it becomes real, becomes reality. It's accepted by everybody. And so they have this giant machine they call Noah 2, which is uh, where they have everybody from that company's wearing these backpacks and they're kind of spreading around town. So they're, they're creating uh, these like false images. Like there's runner, there's like a runaway construction machine killing people and so it's like they're using it to test this machine so these girls are like they, they're called like the seven knights or something like they've been around for since the crusades or something like that so it's like they're the descendants of them and so they're there to stop that machine because originally only seven of these people have this power so as you go through it uh you, you find out that the main character takumi i guess the twist in it was that he wasn't real at all he was a delusion himself the original Takumi actually thought him up because he needed a, somebody to go around town and do the work for him. Because unfortunately, he had a disease where he stopped aging at the age of 10. And then he rapidly aged when he was at 20. So he was like 20 years old in the hospital, but he looked like a 90-year-old man. Damn. So he created him out of his delusion fear. to you know, go around and investigate these new-gen murders. So he, that guy ends up dying. He ends up passing whatever his consciousness to the delusion so the delusion can be real. And so it got weird because he started figuring out like he couldn't remember certain stuff from his childhood. Like somebody's like, you, you wrote this equation. You wrote the equation that created the machine. He's like, he's like, I, he's like, I don't even remember that. He's like, he, he couldn't recall anything from his childhood. And that's when he realized, OK, he, he was just created months ago. He, you know, he never lived that life. He tried to go back home. His home wasn't even there. And so like his sister that he thought it was his sister was actually the sister for the older Takumi. She was getting confused, too. So um, 
he and the older Takumi ended up sacrificing himself and passing his consciousness on to this delusion so he can actually be a real person. That was the, 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 what they call the true ending. So at the end of it, when they stop the Noah machine, this is, where it's all, this is where it gets all to. At the end of it, when they stop the Noah machine to stop the delusions, the Noah machine creates a huge earthquake in Shibuya. So this is where this whole science adventure thing takes place, kind of like the whole Marvel thing where everything goes down this route. So it's 2009. They have this huge earthquake in Shibuya, and it destroys this part of Tokyo, and they have to rebuild. So this is where, and that earthquake is referenced in Steins Gates, and that's also referenced in Robotic. The other uh, visual novels in there is all, it all takes place. So when you get to Steins Gate, that's the one where I told you where they have the different world lines. That's where things start changing. So after that point, when they get to the Steins Gate world line, everything is on that world line. It takes place on that world line going forward. So to make a long story short, I apologize to get to this point. <laughs> Chaos Head is not a game I can play here, but we're here. The se- but we the made sequels- it. There is a sequel called Chaos Child. That's what I'm playing. It's on PS4. It's on Vita. So Chaos Child takes place on the Steins Gate war line, and it takes place six years after Chaos Head. It's after Shibuya has already rebuilt from the, uh, from the earthquake, and you play as uh, Taku, uh, a kid who's suffering from Chaos Child Syndrome, who was a survivor from the earthquake because he witnessed uh, his parents got killed by robbers. You know, as soon as the earthquake happened, like, all it was anarchy. All hell broke loose. And, like, there was women getting raped. There was murders happening. It's like, you know, all law and order just went out the window with it. Not good. So he's um, he's running. Uh, he works for a school newspaper where he's running an investigation where he's looking into murders, similar to what happened in the first game. So this game opens up and it, it opens up with a, uh, a guy who works as like a streaming, like kind of like Twitch, where he developed a program where he can figure out how to accurately predict like uh, let's say like the nfl draft or nba draft it's like he but it was the idols over there japanese idols so he is having a live stream uh on tv and somebody knocks on his door they come in and he's trying to like give the impression that he's poor but he's actually pretty rich because he's making money off these uh subscribers i think it was like five thousand at the time which is a lot at that time period so um he takes this block of cheese out of the the fridge and he ends up um cutting it he, there was a knock at the door. They came in. They don't, they don't show him on camera. So he's like, he's having a hard time cutting this cheese. And, <laughs> and so. I get so, the joke. I get the yeah. joke you're making. So uh, the, the person offered to help him. So he ends up, they just like, you got to cut it like this. And it slice it through, slice it through. And so when he brought back the plate, he was under a delusion. He thought it was sliced cheese there. It was actually his arm sliced off. And he ended up bleeding out on live on the stream. And he was eating his thumb. Oh, fuck. He thought oh it was my eating, God, no. He, he thought it was, he thought it was a piece of cheese. So no. he, he broke out of the delusion and saw what happened in streaming live. So they called that murder that don't look at me. And oh, so the next one, the next one they had was a, uh, was a singer for a band and she was not very popular in school. And so um, she's like in this band where she has to dress up like a goth person and she doesn't like it. You know, somebody had one on her website, like, you know, her personal website with her own personal songs. It's like, you can do it, go with that route. And she's basically like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. She threw away all her costumes it's just like, you know what, I'm just going to start small, you know, write some more songs, go to the park. And, you know, she had an idea where she was going to use a Bluetooth speaker and, and you know, kind of record a song at every night and play it on the park and all that and kind of like differentiate and make it different. Cause she, that sounds beautiful. Please tell me what god-awful uh, so, ending she came to. Because she didn't want to sing live in, pu- in public because every time she sung live, it's like people try to peer into her soul. It was some kind of darkness she saw in people. So she was scared to sing live. She was going to do it through a Bluetooth speaker. And then you heard a knock on the door. Then it goes to a um, 
I don't forget what I forgot what it was called, but it goes a little bit later when it goes to Taku when he's researching it. So apparently they found her slumped in the park playing and she was singing through a Bluetooth uh, speaker that was sewn into her stomach and she ended up bleeding to death. Um, Checks out. So (laughs) they find out he goes through and he's researching for this newspaper at school. I don't know why he's researching. He's a kid, but he finds out that these murders. How fucked up schools he go to? Well, this is all from the Shibuya re- uh, rebuild. So he finds out that all these murders take place on the same day as the murders that happened and the new gen murders happened in the first game. So the exact same day, just six years apart. Mm. So somebody's recreating all these different murders in a different style. Because he, he ends up, he, he, knows, he knows when the next murder is going to happen. It's like, if it follows this pattern, I know it's going to happen this day because it happened this day six years ago. So he ends up, he ends up getting a call from the school. He runs into a love hotel. You know, they have a lot of love hotels in Japan. That's what it is. So he ends up sneaking in Nintendo. there. Was it a Nintendo one? Sure. Do they still so, have theirs? Remember, that was a thing. Uh, I have no idea. I, I don't research Love Hotels. I think the first time I remember seeing a Love Hotel <laughs> is when they put it in this game. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That's a thing. Or maybe with the occasional anime one or two, because there's always some kind of bit in the anime, you know, where they always go in the Love Hotel but never do anything, but they always use a shower. But um, that, that's always a bit. Yeah. Trust me. I, it, Brant watches a lot of anime. It happens a lot. And nothing happens. It's always like it's a bad impression. Somebody always sees them leave. It's like, oh, they left. Blah 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 blah. And it's Just like, go wash what? our bodies in the shower. Well, it's usually only the girl that does it, and the guys waiting out there, like, why am I here? You know, that's usually how it is. It's that it's a whole bit that you do in anime is a lot. Nothing really happens. A trope. Yeah, it's a trope. There we go. There we go. So he ends up uh, sneaking into the hotel and um, with his childhood friend, uh, and the door is locked. Because uh, they see a cop down there, he's trying to regulate everything. He's like, "I need help! I need help immediately! Uh, I need backup!" And they kind of sneak by him, go up there, and they go to the floor where they kind of saw this window open. They could hear like a music, some music playing. And so they break, in, they didn't break into the room. Like somebody had unlocked the door from the inside, and they they were like, "Okay!" So they opened it up and went in there. But all they found in there was a police officer with his head bashing into uh, a mirror, knocked unconscious. Some girl that looked like about 15 years old passed out, facing the ground. And they looked over to the bed, and there was a guy with these um, wires wrapped around his head on this revolving bed that was revolving to the sound of the music. Oh, okay, and so I'm surprised. This all checks out. Sure. Slowly, his head just pops off at towards the end of it, and so the, oh. he he records everything, and he's like, and he's like, uh, he's he, like I said, he's trying to be a reporter. He records everything, and he ends up passing out when the head flops on him. So, because like the blood splatters on him. It's to be expected. Well, What's funny is that the girl woke up and started staring at him. She she was bleeding from her eyes. So um, he um, it goes into this whole bit where he gets taken in from the cops. The cops is like slap does a slap in the hands like don't do it again, don't sneak in, don't do bad stuff, blah blah blah. They deleted his video, and so he's he the whole basically he's trying to research these new gen murders because he's trying to figure out. He, he he suffers from this chaos child syndrome, like I said earlier. That's why the game's called Chaos Child, where he's like. These people that were affected by the Shibuya earthquake are kind of trying to come to terms with what, what happened. So he doesn't have his parents anymore. He's living in a like he does, he moved out of this house because he was living like in a group like a foster home where he was adopted from like a doctor. And he had like these brothers and sisters that weren't actually blood. You know, they were all just like foster kids that got adopted together. So he found out they were hiding that his parents were actually murdered. They didn't die from the earthquake. So he got pissed, left in the park. And he's like living in a park in like some kind of um, old uh, trolley. And it's like, uh, which has electricity and all that kind of bullshit. The so, children. so I'm on chapter three. This is this is like the first 20 hours of the game. So I'm on chapter three. So there's already been three murders. Uh, and the first game, there were six total. 
So the next one's coming up soon. The girl that he ran into in the hotel had he ran into her into the school and she was like a completely different person. And I think she came up close to him and told him that he was going to be the next one that's going to die and and just left the room. So she knows more of what's going on. She has like you find out that the cops are working where she's kind of like she was in that room for a reason, but she didn't commit the murder. And so you go you go through and you're he's trying to figure out what's going on. And then it's slowly there's somebody working in the background that's aware of what he's doing. And they're saying that he's the next victim. So you're trying to go through and make sure you're not going to get killed as you try to figure out who's doing all these uh, these new um, uh, killings now. So it sounds like it's got a lot to go forward. You got you got plenty of chapters to go. Yeah, I'm only about like a, a third of like a third of it through. Yeah. It's probably going to be like my Steins Gate Zero. It's probably going to be about a 50-hour game. So, so yeah, this all takes place in that whole universe. Sounds where, good. Where, uh, and you'll, you'll get references from other games, like the like uh, Makisei's uh, handle from At Channel, which is like their version of 4chan in that game. They call it At Channel. You can see her posting on there and see her posting. Like She basically calls all that supernatural shit rubbish because you know she's a scientist, but she's from the Steins Gate universe. And then, then you have uh, Takumi from uh, the she's first the game. She's the Scully of the two. You have Takumi from the first game, who was a gigglomaniac who knows about the, the delusions and everything. He's uh, he there's a story bit on there where he's posting on Twitter and you following him and he's kind of exp- guiding you along and kind of explaining everything. He was the one that experienced everything in the first game, and so like you you get those references kind of like you would in Marvel from all those games together. So, uh, like I said, Gmatsu did that stream recently where they kind of they didn't do the stream but they did a stream from Gmatsu um, covered it for uh, yeah. Mages. And they talked about Anonymous Code, which takes place in 2036. And that's also in the Steins Gate universe, because uh, 2036 is the, originally in Steins Gate was the end of World War III. So I, I don't know what timeline or world line they're in in that one, because in that preview they showed Makise, which I'm assuming may be Amadeus, which is the AI version. So I don't know what the fuck's going on when I, when I watch that trailer, but it, it just all depends whenever that comes out. So Yeah. But yeah, the, the, basically all all these stories are interto- intertwined. They're all visual novels. Um, if you ever want to get into them, I think there's anime adaptations of all of them. There's even anime adaptation for Chaos Child. Um, I, I'm thinking about. It, I think all of them have been adapted to anime at some point, and they're all. I think they're all owned by Funimation. So pretty cool. They took these stories and uh, condensed them for for rapid consumption. Yeah. Is that yeah. it, sir? Your your 20 hours of Chaos Child. Yeah, that's it. That's all I played. I mean, that's yeah. I'll, I'll finish that up hopefully this week. Because uh, I was gonna do uh, trails, but I gotta finish three. So we're uh, we're officially over the two hour mark. We made it somehow. It doesn't even feel like it's been two hours, right? Get my oh. Cliff Notes version of the whole fucking uh, Science Adventure series. I like it. You condensed twenty hours into uh, forty five minutes, yeah. thirty minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I say, but yeah, Chaos Child's good. I mean, it fits that whole uh, horror, supernatural feel right around the Halloween right now. And yeah, good for it's, October. It's completely different from like the like Steins Gate, which was just more science based and thriller based, and this one's more of a like horror esque. And it's thriller too, but it's, it is it keeps you guessing because yeah, I still don't know what the fuck's going on yet. And I'm like, you got twisting beds and wires popping people's heads off. So I can, or I can even why anybody's doing it again. So the, another thing before you, we leave is another thing they have in common between all these games is that, that they don't really have a name for the people in Chaos Head. But in Steins Gate, you find out that 
like people who are running CERN, who's trying to control the timelines and who's trying to control time machines, they're called the Committee of 300. And it's like uh, it's like 300 people who are it's like I don't know if there's 300 people they haven't said, but there's a committee of people who are above governments like governments don't run them. They run like a shadow organization. And so apparently they're the ones running behind the scenes in this chaos child, too. They're they're the villain throughout all these visual novels as well. They they have their hands on all these people's lives somehow. So they weren't really there. I think they probably started in the first uh, chaos head because they were called the Nozomi Corporation. I think from that point, they evolved to the organization of 300. That's what they call them. And so from there, they're always the, the enemy and all these signs of interest series one. So that enemy carries across. So science adventure enemies. All right. You guys got anything before we get out of here? No, nothing. We summarized it all in a very concise, lucid two hours. Uh, you can catch this podcast on iTunes, Google play store, SoundCloud, our host, wherever your RSS feed, uh, aggregator of choices. We're on YouTube and Twitch. Seems like every Wednesday night. We now we do uh, eight o'clock. Maybe that's subject to change. Uh, we seem to all be tired on Wednesday, so maybe that's a that's something we switch up here soon. Try to bring some more energy to the show. Um, you guys got anything else going on? Anything you want to add? No. That's I, it. It's late. I, Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> I think. Uh... Yeah, because next month's going to get crazy. Yep. Yep. New consoles, uh, your November releases, so whatever you're playing Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and all that on, whether it's new or old. Call of Duty's all I really care about at this point. (laughs) (laughs) You want you some Black Ops Cold War, huh? I only want that campaign. I can care less about the multiplayer. I'll probably put like one hour multiplayer. I just want that. uh, I'm going to uninstall that uh, multiplayer since I can uh, piecemeal it now. Yep like they've been promising for this past generation, so who knows if we actually get it for this one. They just fucking did it on PC. Now you can uninstall the single player from PC now. They just did a patch. I think it's happening. So. It's like, what, 1.2 gigs or, or terabytes or something? Hey, space is space, man. Whatever it helps. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, thank you for filling your gigabytes and terabytes with us this week, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Adios. See you. Holy shit, two hours, what the fuck happened?